0: My name is Jake Whiteside. I'm from Indiana. Uh, For my schooling, I went to IUPUI or Indiana University, Purdue University in Indianapolis for undergrad, Um, studied neuroscience and Chinese. From there, shot over to Lafayette for IU School of Medicine, but specifically at the Lafayette campus. If Christ means anything, he means everything. And what I've learned in my time with CMDA here, both at these conventions and in my roles, is that the people in CMDA truly believe that and live that out. Um, It's amazing to walk around at these conventions and see all these physicians that in their own rights are legendary learning about their exploits in the missions field and otherwise so inspiring and humbling to hear from them and yet it's all for god's glory so if you are a a christian healthcare student and you want to get involved with people that feel very strongly about their faith this is the place to do it
1: Hi, this is Dr. Mike Chupp, your host of CMDA Matters, the weekly podcast of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. You know, over the last six weeks, members of our leadership team and I have had the privilege to bring our Thrive gatherings to communities all across the country. We have thoroughly enjoyed meeting so many of our members and supporters as far west as San Diego, California, as far east as Sandy Cove in Maryland as far south as Huntsville, Alabama and next week as far north as Niles, Michigan. We're going to 20 cities in all. These gatherings, they have aimed to introduce the resources and ministries of CMDA that help Christians in healthcare thrive and not just survive. We're now in our 93rd year and your CMDA is having a greater impact than ever. As I met our supporters and members in several of these cities during our Thrive gatherings, I was blessed to hear so many stories of how the Lord is using this wonderful community of Christian healthcare professionals that we know as CMDA to encourage you during the different seasons of life as healthcare professionals and your families. I met medical students training on a campus with faculty that have been very cold toward the student's worldview. I met residents facing exhaustion and others who expressed how CMDA Ministries, they've strengthened their marriage and helped them learn to share Christ more confidently and prepared them well to debate the issues of our day with grace. This is why we humbly ask you to support your CMDA in November and December financially. Without the generosity of many, these ministries of CMDA would not be possible. The impact that we all desire, that of seeing healthcare professionals redeemed by Christ's unconditional love and each living to their fullest in Him, would be in jeopardy. Will you join this critical army of CMDA champions with your generous support during this year-end giving campaign? Our goal this year for November and December is 900000 dollars To encourage us as we begin this campaign, a wonderful group of champions has already stepped forward offering a 100000 dollars match. If you'd like to make your gift, which will be matched dollar for dollar by these champions, please visit cmdaorg give, or you can contact our stewardship team by calling 888 888- today. I am very excited to share this week's program with you, friends, because our guest is one of my all-time favorite Christian authors, Mr. Oz Guinness. Oz's latest book, Signals of Transcendence, it's an incredible collection of 10 short stories that tell of the remarkable ways that God awakens the hearts and minds of men and women and how we need to be listening and waiting for those signals in our lives as well as leveraging those signals when others around us who are far from God detect their own. My co-host today is Dr. Bill Griffin, who's the Vice President of Dental Ministry at CMBA. And I have found that Griff has a huge heart for evangelism that always challenges me. I hope you will also be challenged by this conversation. So let's listen in. Well, I'm most excited today on CMDA Matters uh, to welcome to our program a repeat guest whose voice will be familiar to so many of you, Mr. Oz Guinness, author and social critic. Oz was born in China in World War II, and his parents were medical missionaries. And so Oz has had a long relationship with CMDA because we have a few medical missionaries, uh, including myself associated with this organization. Oz has written many books, and in the 90s, uh, I think one of his first books uh, that I read and made me a fan immediately was called The Call, and uh, we previously had Oz on the program to talk about his book Carpe Diem Redeemed, and with me today is our Vice President of Dental Ministry, Dr. Bill Griffin. I'll call him Griff during the program because that's what we call him around here. Welcome to the program, Oz. Thank you so much. A real pleasure to be back with CMDA. Well, we're going to discuss today Oz's new book that I heard about. Uh, I listened to the Breakpoint podcast from time to time, and the book there uh, was mentioned by John Stone Street entitled Signals of Transcendence. This book is for my friend Griff and for many others who are always looking for ways to be more impactful in the public square, and you write about the public square in other places. Mm. This is a fantastic book, and you write in this book that uh, sociologist Peter Berger came up with this phrase, Signals of Transcendence, Oz, and you mentioned that at one time, you actually were thinking about the two of you collaborating on this book and about this topic. Can you tell us a little bit about Peter Berger?
2: Well, Peter Berger was an Austrian by birth who came to the U.S., and he was a strong believer, member of the Lutheran Church and actually considered becoming a minister at one stage. But he came across and accidentally, as he put it, became a social scientist and taught in New York and then in Rutgers and New Jersey, and finished up at Boston University and became one of the top two or three social scientists, sociologists of religion in the world. Many people didn't realize that he was a very strong believer. I did my doctorate on him at Oxford and got to know him, and he became a great friend. And it was very clear, especially towards the end of his life, what an immensely strong believer he was. Now, his idea was very simple here, and it's in his little book, A Rumor of Angels, just one chapter. Much of the book written in 1963 is actually wrong. He took it back, a whole notion of secularization. But signals of transcendence he believed into the end. In other words, people have profound experiences which do two things they puncture whatever they used to believe. And secondly, they point towards something else, which, if true, would make all the difference. So, what the signals do, they constitute and trigger people to become seekers, searchers. So I owe a lot to Peter Berger. We hoped to write the book together. It would have been a very different book, I'm sure. But uh, so after he died, I'm glad to honor his memory and write it uh, very differently. I've written 10 stories. That's why it's so brief. It's just written for
3: seekers. So I have to say that once your book introduced me to this topic of signals of transcendence, Additional examples and and implications of these signals have just been exploding in my mind. It's a great topic to consider, the fact that God does indeed show us ways that he breaks through our normal everyday life with supernatural occurrences in a subjective but a very real sense. And yet I'm curious, of the 30 or so books that you've written, this is perhaps the shortest. I'm sure it wasn't because you ran out of material. Is there a reason for the book being relatively brief?
2: Well, I think that's a very simple reason. The current generation is not a generation of readers. So (laughs) it's a, a short book, 10 stories, as I said, and I just hope each story will trigger things in people's thinking. And I've had a very good response to it, and certainly among people giving the book to their friends. But Griff, put it in a big perspective today. You know, the feature of our modern world since the 18th century and the Enlightenment is the philosophy of secularism, and on the other hand, the process of secularization, so-called. In other words, the way in the modern world, religion in general, Christian faith too, becomes more marginal to many people and less meaningful. So a lot of the faith just seems irrelevant, And it's as if we're living in Plato's cave. And that's the only reality there is. Peter Berger said, we're living, same book, The Rumor of Angels, said we're living in a world without windows. Mm -hmm. Or as G.K. Chesterton put it graphically, reality for many modern people is like that of a slightly drowsy middle-aged man right after a big lunch. (laughs) So the challenge is for people to really see the wider dimensions of reality, including the supernatural. So that's what the signals do. They trigger people, puncturing their secularism, their atheism, their short-sightedness, and pointing something bigger and beyond, which, if true, would make all the difference. And they set out to become seekers.
3: Yes, and I respect the fact that you mentioned that these signals are meant to direct us towards a search for Christ. And the signals themselves don't give us all the information that we might need. I think about Herod and John the Baptist in Mark chapter 6. It says that Herod liked to listen to John the Baptist. Perhaps he saw something fascinating, but clearly not fascinating enough to change his ways. And so perhaps he saw signals, but he chose not to follow those signals that he Mm -hmm. saw in John the Baptist. Mm
2: -hmm. Now, that's an important point. I mean, uh, C.S. Lewis points out a signpost is only a signpost. It's not the destination. You have to follow the signpost. You look at a brochure and see if you want to go on that cruise ship or buy that house or whatever it is. In other words, they're only signals. And, of course, people can suppress them. One story I tell of Kenneth Clark is how he literally brushed them off at one stage in his life, powerful though they were, although at the end of his life, he came back again. So it's quite possible to suppress them and brush them off, and they might lead in any direction. But for those who are really serious in thinking, they lead, as so many of the stories in the book show, to faith in Jesus.
1: As I, I have to tell our listeners a story that I was literally flying over Mount Kilimanjaro reading the chapter about your grandfather and the story of the signal of transcendence of the love between a man and a woman and powerful story. I was in a little 12-seater plane flying to Nairobi, and when I got to the part where you say, all too soon, the truest and most passionate love will be gone. Neither we nor our love will last forever in this world. So to do justice to love is to know what the time is and to make the most of the time love has. And immediately I thought of the 32-year-old romance that my wife and I have had, and I just began to weep on this plane. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'm ever going to ever forget the moment as I was reading about your grandfather and your grandmother in the midst of the Box of Rebellion, finding each other and falling in love. Such a powerful story. I came back and immediately shared with Griff. Mm -hmm about this book, because Griff has the gift of evangelism. I've traveled with Griff. He wants to tell everybody about his Lord Jesus. And even yesterday, he did our chapel at CMDA on your book and talked about (laughs) signals of (laughs) transcendence. Um, Thank you, So uh, we had lots of testimonies popping up uh, from the crowd, from our own staff, including my own How I Came to Christ. But we wanted to ask you, were there particular signals of transcendence in your own life that helped to inspire your own faith journey? Well, that's not the way through which I came to faith. You know, and one of the features
2: of that with people like W.H. Auden and C.S. Lewis and others, they were pretty convinced and dogmatic in their atheism or whatever it was. So it needed a very profound signal to shake them out. I myself came to faith in a much more normal way. You know, Winston Churchill used to say that the years 18 to 25 are the big seven, when most people choose the direction of their careers and meet their spouse and various things that shape the course of their whole lives. And certainly for me, I came to faith at 18 after two years of really reading and searching and thinking and talking at the end of the 1950s. And then finally I read on the one hand, lots of people like Nietzsche and Sartre and Camus on the atheist side, and then on the Christian side, Blaise Pascal and G.K. Chester and C.S. Lewis, above all. Growing up in the East, I wasn't terribly interested in Buddhism and Hinduism. I'd seen enough of it. And I was finally convinced the Christian faith was true. So in my case, I wasn't convinced of anything and didn't need to be shaken out of anything, as it were, by a traumatic signal. So it didn't play a part in my own life, although I've seen it in the lives of so many others, quite apart from those mentioned in the book. And a friend of mine shared the story, the one of Kenneth Clark, and just the first half of the story where he was in Florence, and he felt the finger of God with the power of beauty so strongly. And my friend shared it with a group of CEOs, many of whom were atheists, about 30 of them, and said, have any of you had experiences like this? He thought maybe one or two might own up to it. All but two or three said they had. Mm -hmm. But of course, in our modern secular world, there's no categories by which to understand it. There's no framework to put it in. Mm -hmm. So that's what I wanted the book to be. And uh, it's a companion book to the other book that came out through InterVarsity, The Great Quest, which is equally short, a little longer, but it just describes how a thinking person thinks
3: through the search for faith. One of the most fascinating aspects to me of the signals of transcendence that you reference is the broad variability of signals that God can use. I mean, some are strongly positive, such as love, virtue, beauty. But also there are others that have negative connotations like death and evil. It's, it's almost as though God can use anything for his glory.
2: Absolutely. Because the simple fact is, as the scriptures put it, the Lord has put eternity in our hearts. Yes. Now, if you think, every sort of human philosophy is an equation of trying to account for the meaning of the world without the Lord. But the sums just don't add up. At some point. Now, sometimes evil is a very powerful thing. One of the stories, as you know, Philip Halley, the scholar looking at Nazism, it was the heart cracking goodness of the people in the Chambon. So they can be very positive. G.K. Chesterton stopped in his tracks by a dandelion, the beauty of a humble amazing, weed. Amazing story. <laughs> some are positive, some are negative. But they all go around the fact that without the Lord, our attempts to sum up the meaning of the life and account for it in various ways simply don't add up. You always come
3: short. I believe I remember something that C.S. Lewis said that as he tried to rail against God that he didn't believe in because of the evil that he encountered, that he needed God's presence to declare something evil. So in that same kind of a way, it, it pointed to God indirectly.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, maybe my favorite story, or the one that I use most in public, say, on university campuses, is the story of W. Jordan. You know, a young, convinced atheist, left-wing, and gay at a time when it was not fashionable in England. But he comes across, and there he is in the cinema trying to follow what was happening in Germany and in Europe in World War II, And he sees this horrifying documentary on the Nazi uh, soldiers bayoneting women and children. And he realizes in an instant, it's absolutely wrong. But he can't admit there's an absolute. That's for reactionaries and fundamentalists. So he leaves the cinema, he says, a seeker after an unconditional absolute. His, His sums didn't work out. He needed an absolute to say Hitler was absolutely wrong. He didn't have one
1: and met Jesus. As most of our listeners are going to be healthcare professionals uh, who follow Christ. And clearly the psalmist, I think Psalm 139, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The New Living says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. And I, I remember first day of histology lecture, my first year of medical school, the histology professor who was a believer saying to the class, If you finish this class and you don't marvel and believe that there's a God, when I introduce you to the cell wall anatomy, there's something wrong with you. And yet, you know, Paul said in Romans 1 that the the truth is suppressed. Any stories that you've come across where their eyes were opened because of the incredible human pathophysiology?
2: Uh, Nothing springs to my mind at the moment at this hour of the morning. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But obviously in medicine, as you said at the beginning, my mother was a surgeon. And often I meet people too, like uh, that people who are in the world of astronomy. Our world, whether you look inside or you look outside, is so incredible that it takes someone very tone deaf to deny it. And for someone like, say Richard Dawkins, to say it's all a matter of a stroke of dumb luck is absolutely extraordinary and i think more and more people are beginning to realize the wonder of the complexity
3: and the mystery of our universe what you just said is well substantiated by something that we read in psalm 19 where david says the heavens declare the glory of god and the sky above proclaims his handiwork Mm. day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge Mm. Although David didn't use the term, this sounds an awful lot like signals of transcendence to me. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if Paul was thinking about this psalm when he wrote in his letter to the Romans, chapter 1, that everyone knows that there is a God, Mm -hmm. but that they suppress this truth in unrighteousness. How do you think Paul's words might relate to your understanding of signals of transcendence?
2: No, very, very closely. In other words, the heart of unbelief, as Paul says in Romans 1, I think, verse 17, is that people are suppressing the truth, or one version puts it, holding truth hostage. So if you think of a hijacker getting into a cabin of a plane and putting a pistol to the pilot, you can't do it now, they can make it fly to a destination other than the one it was intended to fly to. And that, in a way, is what unbelief is. Human beings look at the truth of the universe, the truth of themselves, and the truth of God, and they fly their planes to a different destination. Mm -hmm. And that's why the signals are so powerful, because whatever they believe, and many of the people in the book were convinced atheists, C.S. Lewis, as you know, for more than 12 years as a searcher, because he was reluctant to give up his atheism, Mm -hmm. Many of them were atheists, but that signal is so profound and so real that it just punctures, as I said,
1: what they used to believe and points to something else. I think in our American church, Oz, we, we tend to think of this just being this instant transformation. A signal happens, and boom, there's transformation. But so many of these stories you point out, it is a journey, and in some cases, many, many years. So for our listeners who have many colleagues or those they're training, who have not trusted Christ as their Savior. Are there some resources, some other books that you would recommend for them to share with their colleagues, their peers, their staff, who've maybe had signals, but have not or are not there in that journey in which they've trusted Christ?
2: Well, I mentioned my own companion book, The Great Quest, mm-hmm. but more importantly, there are huge Christian bestsellers like the books by Josh and Sean McDowell, More Than a Carpenter. And above all, the one that has Led so many people to faith, including Chuck Colson, would be Mere Christianity Mm -hmm. by C.S. Lewis. So there are many books like that. But the challenge today is to get people started. In other words, as I describe in The Great Quest, what constitutes a seeker, a searcher, is a question they've got to answer. And so that's always the challenge. People are pretty convinced these days of what they believe. So we've got to raise questions for them, or life does. My wife and I often pray for people, Lord, strew their path with
1: questions. (laughs) It sounds so familiar, Oz, because Griff and I were just talking, I think we were the other day, that if we just keep asking them questions and having them hear themselves give answers, that sometimes we don't have to give them any convincing arguments. I think that's what I'm hearing you say.
3: And you hope that those pebbles in their shoes become boulders at some point.
2: (laughs) That's right. The gospel is good news to people in a bad situation. As our Lord says clearly, those who need doctors and so on. Uh, But many people don't realize they're in a bad situation. That's why the questions are such a
3: key stage. Well, on a personal note, I have two friends who would not yet claim to be followers of Christ, but they have each agreed to read your book. And so, My hope is that the Lord will use it to inspire some great further discussions with them. So thank you very much for your help in reaching out to my friends. Well, I
2: certainly have had some good responses from people who've read it. It's only been out a few months. But I hope your friends, one or other of the 10 signals that are described there,
1: resonates with them and gets them thinking. Well, I, I'll, I'll close this conversation, uh, and I wish we could go longer, but I uh, do want to challenge our listeners. It's, it's really an easy book to read. I, I read it on an international trip uh, to and from Tanzania. But Oz says, signals of transcendence play an all-important role in the search that we've been—the quest that we've been talking about. They are the prompt, the trigger, the catalyst, the intuition, the intimation, the alarm bell— The whole torn in life, the thin places. And the words are varied. In fact, Oz, I think a friend of yours, I know he talks about you quite frequently, is Eric Metaxas. Eric wrote his book, uh, Miracles, and in there he tells about his own dreams and the way that God got his attention, and he calls it the secret language of the heart. The secret language of the heart and uh, maybe signals of transcendence uniquely get through to each one of us. But the signals set the search in motion. There's a reason for our human restlessness, you say, Oz. There's something more to life, the signals say. And once spurred, searchers search until they find Whereas those who never stir condemn themselves to end their days as prisoners in the cave. And the cave really is a theme throughout your book. So would you explain to our listeners this cave described by Plato?
2: Well, it's the most famous parable in philosophy. Plato describes many people as living like prisoners in a cave. So reality for them is the flickering shadows thrown up on the wall by the fire behind them so that one day one of them escapes the cave and is out in the sunshine and then wants to come back into the cave and tell them there's a whole world of sun out there but of course they don't believe him all they know is the shadows in the cave and many of them would prefer to stay comfortable in the cave rather than risk going out and finding it's not true And in a way that's an incredible picture of our modern world, a world without windows. And the atheists, sadly, are content to shut up in that world without windows, that cave. And so the Lord sends these signals to make them think and care, to break out into
1: the sunshine of knowing Him. Oz, you've uh, got a gift and you've been sharing that for a long time, and at CMDA we want to thank you for being one of our great friends and teachers over the last 30 or 40 years. God bless you, and I trust that you'll have two, three, or four more great works like Signals of Transcendence to share with us.
2: Thank you, Maybe, But coming from a medical family, I'm delighted to be with you at CMTA, and long may you flourish.
1: Well, as Griff and I talked with Oz Guinness, were you maybe thinking about your own signals of transcendence? Signals that you've experienced in your own life? If this discussion intrigued you and you'd like to read his new book, Signals of Transcendence, you can find your copy in the new and updated CMDA bookstore by going to cmda.org bookstore. We've also included a link in our show notes for you today. And while you're at our bookstore, you can find the other great books that are written by Oz Guinness, including The Call, The Great Quest, and Carpe Diem Redeemed. You'll find others by Oz as well there. In addition, be sure to check out Oz's website. You can go to ozguinness.com. Every one of us encounters seekers and searchers in our daily lives. Maybe it's family members, or close friends, or colleagues at work, or students in your classes. I want to encourage you this week to ask at least one of those seekers in your life to consider reading this book, just as Dr. Griff mentioned he has done with two close friends in his own life. Maybe that is all of the challenge that they need to really take the next step toward a close and personal relationship with our Lord Jesus. Who do you know this week that you could ask to read Signals of Transcendence with you?
4: Those of us who serve in the healthcare professions have the best opportunities to point individuals toward Christ. One of our big priorities here at CMDA is to help train healthcare professionals to integrate their faith into their practice of healthcare. That's why we produce faith prescriptions. This on-demand video series will teach you to share your faith in ethical and appropriate ways with colleagues and patients, and it would also teach you to pray with patients and much, much more. To get started with the series, which is free to CMDA members, visit the CMDA Learning Center at cmda.org learning.
1: I have heard from so many of our members who've been equipped by faith prescriptions to share their faith in the healthcare workplace. So I'm excited to share with you that we're actually working on three brand new episodes. These three modules are designed to strengthen healthcare professionals when they face opposition to their faith and to the gospel in the patient care environments that they inhabit every day. And we need your help. If you have a brief story of opposition or criticism or even consequences that you've experienced in healthcare because of your faith, maybe you experienced those and then God blessed you through it. If so, I want to invite you to email Dr. Bill Griffin, who directs the Faith Prescription Series, and join me today as co-host for this episode. You can use the email address faithrx at cmda.org to share your story with us. Thanks in advance for your willingness to make these new episodes a great blessing to our members.
4: The 2024 CMDA National Convention will be here before you know it. Have you reserved your spot yet? We're joining together at the Ridgecrest Conference Center just outside Asheville, North Carolina on May 2nd through 5th, 2024. This is your opportunity to fellowship and worship with other Christians in healthcare as we raise His banner together. Our speakers at this premier event include Evangelist Will Graham, the grandson of Billy Graham, human rights lawyer Ashley Chapman, Pastor Tony Evans, physician and ethicist Dr. Lydia Dugdale, and more. To reserve your spot at this year's convention, visit natcon.cmda.org.
1: Before we close, I wanted to briefly mention one final resource for you, and that is CMDA's weekly devotions, which They're written by past CMDA president, Dr. Al Weir. These are thought-provoking messages and are designed specifically for healthcare professionals and the challenges that we face on a day-to-day basis. And Al constantly reminds us of the need to stop and pay attention and listen for God's whisper, to be on the lookout for those signals of transcendence that he sends us, if you're not yet subscribed to receive this weekly email from us, please visit cmda.org slash blog to sign up. Be sure to listen in next week when I will be joined by physician, author, speaker, and researcher Dr. John Wyatt from London, England. He was our keynote speaker in June for the ICMDA World Congress. We had a fascinating conversation about his topic for that keynote address in Tanzania, which is the future of artificial intelligence in healthcare, as well as some of the ethical questions we are facing as this technology continues to grow. So come back next Thursday to hear all about it. As always, if you want to suggest a future guest for the podcast, you can just email us at cmdamatters at cmda.org. And if you like our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and share us on your favorite social media platform. Let's cross the finish line today with that great declaration we were discussing just a few minutes ago with Oz. It's from Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. Paul says for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the Scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature so they have no excuse for not knowing God. As Christians in healthcare, we have the incredible opportunity to share Christ with the seekers and searchers in our lives. Those who might just be suppressing the truth that they know deep in their hearts. And God, who truly loves them, faithfully sends signals of transcendence which help bring them one step closer to knowing our God. Let's be on the lookout for those signals, those whispers from God this week. And as we share Christ with others, we will be bringing the hope and healing of Christ to our world. That's what matters to CMDA, friends. And CMDA matters. We'll see you next week, friends. God willing.
2: This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.